Welcome back to Real Talk. I'm Delaney Willing. I'm Luddy Kaplan. And I'm Jen Morrow. And this week we're discussing the Black Klansman and Roma. Last week we did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't caught that episode yet, go click back to episode one and catch that one first. Yeah, and you can follow us on our Instagram at uh, Real Talk PTB. It's spelled R-E-E-L Talk PTB. <laughs> I hope you know how to spell talk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I spelled it out last week. Yeah, you did a great job. I really got into that radio persona. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was that's yeah, it was R-E-E-L-T-A-L-K. quality. E E L T A L K. And then I freaked out that I spelled it wrong. <laughs> You're like, wait. Okay, so we're gonna start with Black Klansman. I feel like that's a good one to start with. Um, I can read some of the the little facts about it. So, um, Black Klansman was released on August 10th, 2018, and the director is Spike Lee, and the writers for this, um, movie is Charlie, I think it's Watch, Watchtel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Watchtel, David, Re- I'm really bad at names, if someone <laughs> else could please read this. Uh, Rabinowitz? Oh, it's so good at reading. It's Jewish. That's You're why just... I know. <laughs> Oh, those are some oh Kevin, Kevin Wilmot and Spike Lee also helped write this, and it's based on the book written by Ron Stallworth, who's actually the main character mm-hmm. of this movie. And I read the book. So oh, oh, you did? Yeah, uh, on my Christmas list, for years and years and years, all I just asked for is books, and eventually my family started banning me from asking for <laughs> books, <laughs> but it never really changes. So I, this year I asked yeah. for Black Klansman, and I got it, and I finished it in two days, so I'll talk about that later. Nice. I, I did that my senior year of high school, because I was like, I'm going to stop getting Christmas gifts, and so, <laughs> like, that's what I thought, so I, like, only asked for books. I got two books for Christmas that year. It was, like, pretty cool. I still haven't read them, but at one point okay. I will. I ha- I'm a pretty busy person. But what were they? Um, they were John Green books. Which ones? Uh, I forgot, but I read, I, I like John Green, but I just don't remember. Please stop grilling me. No, I just, no, I'm not grilling you. I'm just, I'm reading Turtles all the way down right now, and it's oh, really good. we were just curious. Well, Look, it's, I wasn't the, it's looking the... for Alaska slut. Oh, oh me too. I love that. I read that in a week in high school. I was, like, really sad, and I just read it all it's week. Really sad. <laughs> That's a giant move. <laughs> Retweet. Yeah, basically, like, it was, it was really good for me, I feel like. To read that book, it changed me. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Okay, Black Klansman. <laughs> uh, the can law. I, oh, can I read want, the log yeah, line? Yeah, go. go okay. Jen. Ron Stallworth, an African American police officer from Colorado Springs, Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan branch with the help of a Jewish surrogate, who eventually becomes its leaders. Its leader, based on actual events. Yeah. It's also, okay. So awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it won the African American Film Critics Association Best Screenplay, and it's been nominated for some very wonderful things. So we've got Oscar nomination for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score. I feel like they were cheated out of Best Actor. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I but that'll be next week episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll discuss that next week. We have lots of tea. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm holding an entire thing of tea right now. <laughs> next <little> time. Six. 
Yeah, I feel like um, the movie itself, I don't know, like, I just want to, like, jump into talking about it, but um, I don't know if I was the only person, but, like, I felt like, it wasn't, like, uncomfortable, but I was very anxious, like, the whole movie. Like, I was sitting in my room and, like, watching the movie, and I was, like, I think it's because when I watch movies, I immediately, like, put myself into, like, like, a connection with the main character, and so, like, I was really worried I guess the whole time like I didn't I was really worried about like Ron and like him and his whole like team just like crumbling because like I think that would have especially like early on too Mm -hmm. and so I think they did a like Spike Lee did a great job of um the beginning and like how he started your first impression of like Ron Stallworth because he just like walks in and is like I want a job here and I want to do things with the police department Mm -hmm. and I think that like really helped like put me like with a real connection with him yeah and I really think that their best original score nomination is so appropriate because I think Mm -hmm. the score puts you so much further into that anxiety that you feel all throughout the movie yeah and I really love that they kind of mixed it with these funky beats oh, yeah. to introduce Ron Stallworth and so many of their other characters. It just fits so well for this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, too, um, what the nomination that stood out to me was Best Editing because, like, that's what always, like, makes me... That sounds so dumb, but, like, that's what makes me have an emotional connection mm-hmm. to the films it's because... It's dumb. <laughs> well, it's just, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about, like, how, like they'd be showing a conversation and you know how in a lot of films there's like the establishing shot and then you have you know you just like go back and forth with the conversation but it's like generally pretty like mellow Mm -hmm. the editing really helps put you on edge it goes back and forth jump cuts between characters and you just feel the tension Mm -hmm. so I agree with the best editing nomination so that's what I'm gonna be watching out for at the Oscars (laughs) that best editing (laughs) moment I feel like yeah that I don't want to talk about the Oscars right now, but there's, like, a lot of things to say about that, and we'll get Mm -hmm. into that another day. I mean, I feel like also piggybacking off of your editing comment, Jen, there's Mm -hmm. this one scene where he's on the bridge with Mm -hmm. his girlfriend, Ron Saltworth, with his girlfriend, and I'm such a horrible person because I can't remember her name right now. I I can't. Patrice. It's Patrice. Yes, Patrice. All I know is I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, she was... Retweet. They're on the bridge, and they're going back and forth between their conversation Mm -hmm. and the movie... Oh, the, oh, oh, yeah. For, for like, the film it, that I think it's, about. is it film or was it comic books? Because I got, like, the very much, like, oh, comic book vibe. Film, but I definitely could be wrong. I'm not sure. But anyway, but, I thought yeah. the editing with that was really cool because mm-hmm. it was a playful moment within a movie that's so full of fear and anxiety of being caught yeah. and murdered by the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. I'd say the camera had a lot of personality. Definitely. And the editing had a lot of personality, which is really interesting to me. But. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, I'm like a huge like geek for films now. Um, after like doing a couple classes and stuff here at Pacific, and honestly, like the nomination for um, best like adapted screenplay, really like uh, I just loved like all the word choice. For this movie like it, everything had a like a meaning and it's just so good like I it's hard to talk about because it's just like I'm so passionate about it 
<laughs> but I just like I just felt I just felt every word was so important. Like nothing could have been cut from this yes. movie. And I mean I wanna save the part at the end of the movie mm-hmm. for like the last thing that we talk about. Yeah. This movie because that was the most powerful, potent part of it. Mm-hmm. But wow. <laughs> yes. Peep me, losing my thought of train. Thought <laughs> of a train. A oh, train cool. of thought. It's okay, train of Wow, it's okay, we can edit that out. <laughs> no one needs to know. Editing and Letty keeps it, and then keeps it anyways, but it's okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mess up things all the time. It's just part of life. Uh, let's go into, like, one of the critics' reviews. Um, as we said, like, in the last episode, we get our critics' reviews from metacritic.com. And I just read the first line of their um, whole, like, critique. But, um, so this one is from Variety, and it's, Lee's latest is as much a compelling black empowerment story as it is an electrifying commentary on the problems of African-American representation across more than a century of cinema. I felt like, I really felt, like, everything with the different, like, I forgot, what is this time period again? I'm really bad at history, so don't come for me. 70s, right? Yeah, the 70s. So, like, I just, like, I love watching movies set in a whole different um, time period because when I can feel like I'm in it and, like, can almost feel the emotions that the characters are experiencing in Mm -hmm. that time period, it really, like, hits home with me, and that's, like, why. Like, when I was done with this movie, I had to, like, stop it and, like, just sit for, like, a couple minutes and, like, process everything. It was, like, really hard to, like, mm-hmm. go about, like, the rest of my day after because, like, yeah. everything that happened and, yeah. like It's yeah. a film that doesn't hold back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, what's really interesting. Like, this um, review really um, gets into, you know, it's almost like a correction of representation because or lack, of, lack thereof of representation mm-hmm. um, for so long. And even films that claim to be, you know, very racially mm-hmm. um, progressive aren't, they yeah. definitely miss the point. And so I think it's not only, like, huge that this film was made. It's also just, it's huge that it was, like, it's getting the reaction that it is. Mm-hmm. And I also think, like, it's a period piece, but it's very obviously contemporary and yeah. it's very obviously speaking to the fact that these are still issues, that obviously still issues that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just goes to show you, like, you know, how are we still dealing? Like, how is this set in the 70s and it's still so relevant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it really hit me hard. Like, I watched it in theaters and it was a pretty crowded theater. Like, I watched it the weekend it opened. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just going to talk about the last scene now. Yeah, I, I think so it's fine. at the end of the movie, we flash forward to 2017, where the white supremacists are marching, mm-hmm. yelling, uh, Jews will not replace us, mm-hmm. and riots are breaking out, and there's this clip of Trump saying that you had one side that was very bad, and mm-hmm. then another side that was equally as bad, and it shows a woman being hit by a car and at the very end it reveals that she dies Mm -hmm. and you 
literally could have heard a drop of water splashing onto the theater floor. Mm-hmm. It was dead silent. And I had gone with my friend Liz mm-hmm. and my boyfriend, and we were supposed to go hang out after and like go grab a bite of, like to eat. And we went home instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it didn't feel right to do anything else but just respect what you had seen and take the time to realize, well, for me especially, like, I'm so privileged and this is something I've never had to deal with and that I will never be racially discriminated against just because of my skin tone, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, my stuffy nose is coming back through, but <laughs> <laughs> it really hit hard and it's a movie that I've watched it six or seven times now and I cry every single time. Mm-hmm. If anything, to me, it's such a call to action for our generation to keep standing up for what's right and to keep moving forward with the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just think that, I don't know, I'm thinking, so like this is kind of related, I swear. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so that scene in particular reminded me a lot of um, I went to go see Othello at um, yeah. Cal Shakes and. Basically, what they did with Othello is they took clips of of Trump, of uh, news, you know, personalities, and they um, they overlaid it with the. And they also like didn't have any costumes. It was all just straight up acting, all out in an outdoors theater. And same kind of reaction, like of you, what mm-hmm. you were talking about when you saw it in the theater, Black Klansman in the theaters. Um, I think when we take real moments like this we realize that that's history now mm-hmm. you know like in the future like people are gonna look back and be like wow how was how did that happen but that's our reality mm-hmm. um and i think it's very powerful to overlay comments like that with art um because it's like you know that's permanent now and like words are so deliberate even when you're talking about with like the screenplay the adapted screenplay words are so powerful and rhetoric is so powerful and so and i'm so tired of people saying that oh he just says things he doesn't think before he speaks you know whatever it's just words you know nothing is ever just words yeah you know i it's the butterfly effect somewhere Mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be close to us like somewhere else his words are causing things that, look, I don't care if he intends them or not, he should know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, like... Basic college ba- intro classes. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just, like, basic um, knowledge to anybody that is respectful, I feel like. And um, that that's going into, like, a whole thing with, like, I think, like, specifically with him, like, media literacy... But, um, that's You just, and your media literacy. I love media li- literacy. Uh, I could talk about media literacy for, like, hours. Are you but taking like, a class on that right now? No. I'm taking media and society, but, like... Close enough. It's close enough. <laughs> I just, like, I went off when we talked about that. But, like, yeah, um, when we watched the end, like, those clips have always been, uh, scary for me, personally. Just, like, I've seen them all before. You know, like, I, I'm pretty sure we've all seen them before the movie. But, um, like, I'm not... 
I don't like particularly like run into that problem all the time, but I've definitely like had like problems before where people like just talk to like say things without like thinking, I guess, you know, and so um or just um come at me with like stereotypes all the time and and it can be people like of your own ethnicity as well. So it's um it's just something like you're taught to deal with and like I think that's really highlighted in this movie that you're just like taught to like I loved when Ron Stallworth talks about how he knows how to talk with the white people yeah and how to talk with like oh when the leader of the Ku Klux Klan is like I know how to tell black people and white people apart because they say are differently yeah and like I like honestly like really connected with that because a lot of people like do that with any anything and like I'm I'm Mexican and so like there's a lot of things that like I've had to deal with, like, personally with that. I, not so much, like, anymore, but, like, when you're younger and you don't know any better, like, which you should know. Like, it's something that you should just be brought up learning about on both sides, not even just, like, being, like, Hispanic. And, like, you should learn that as well, like, any any race that you are. But um, that's just, like, something that, like, really, like, I, like, completely understood because... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I understand, like, some, it's, like, hard to talk about. But, you know, just, like, you know how to talk to different people from different backgrounds when you're, like, brought up in two worlds at once. And so I really connected with that. And I know there's, like, hundred you know, almost everybody, like, yeah. of a different ethnicity or race, like, understands that as well. And so I feel like a lot of people could really connect with the things that he was going through. And, like, also, if you couldn't, like, you could see it and understand. So I feel like it was a very, like, educational film as well. Yeah, well, yeah. especially, like, with, the, once again, the videos that they showed at the end. Mm-hmm. All of us have seen them before the movie. But I feel like how social media frames them lessens their impact sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like, desensitizes you towards it. Mm-hmm. But when you're sitting either at home or, like, in your bedroom, like you were already watching it on mm-hmm. your screen, or in the movie theater or on your phone, it's so different. It was just so different. And I don't really know how to explain what. Like, how... Just how it was framed Yeah, mm-hmm. changed everything about it because now it's not just on your local social media site Mm -hmm. or it's not just being talked about on your local podcast Mm -hmm. it's finally something that's in a worldwide discussion that people are going to see and now it's nominated for an oscar Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i was wondering if i could uh read the next Oh yes. Critic yes. review because wow, I was our, I was looking at it and I thought it it's just very well worded. So, um, Black Klansman is a furious, funny, blunt, and brilliant confrontation with the truth. It's an alarm clock ringing in the midst of a historical nightmare, and also a symphony, the rare piece of political popular art that works in all three dimensions. The idea of an alarm clock ringing, I think, just mm-hmm. like that's oh. the perfect description for this film. Um, like what you were talking about, Delaney, we are desensitized at this, in this moment. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like, it's, 
it's gotten to the point where it's difficult for me to even engage with politics, mm-hmm. which I feel like it's more important than ever right now. But um, it's just, you know, it, like things happen and I'm just like, yeah, just another day. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, the president could say something on Twitter. He he did. He like continues. Like I, oh, you know, I just comment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, just like the blatant <laughs> sexism and racism. It's just whatever at this point. And that's yeah. that's scary. You know, I just so think terrifying. that like being sorry, terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. It's, you know, and I think what you are getting at is just that like you know, being reminded and being told, like, hey, pay attention, like, this is happening all around us, and, like, now this is our history, historical nightmare, (laughs) as the New York Times so eloquently put it, um, yeah, because we're all asleep, you know? Yes, I think we all are asleep, and I feel like everyone should watch this movie, not only because it's nominated, but the fact that this movie is nominated, and, like, it's one of those, like, movies that, like... Punches I, like, you in the gut. Yeah, it's, like, it's such an important movie to see. I feel, like, not only for our generation, but, like, generations, like, you know, like, my sister's 11, like, she turns 13, and I'm like, hey, we should watch this movie together, because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that it's something that can be used for reference in, like, teaching about things, you know... Yeah, I didn't know where I was going with that again. But, like, (laughs) you know, like, I just feel like it's a great way to, like, talk about things and make it so that way everyone will listen. Because I feel like movies are one of the best ways to bring awareness to things in today. Like, because a lot of people, like, you know, there's a lot of people who, like, don't care to read for things or anything, you know. But when you bring a movie and you present these topics, it starts a conversation. And this movie starts a conversation. So, yeah. So, do we all want to, like, do we have any more comments, or would we like to rate it? I always want to talk about Adam Driver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please do. Yeah. I just thought he killed it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. all of their actors and actresses were supreme. Yes. Like, the brand, TM. TM. (laughs) Laura Harrier. She was amazing. I... The actors, the costuming, mm-hmm. the music, everything was put together to make such a gorgeous commentary yes. about our modern day society matching up with the 1970s racism. Mm, I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I know. So the book was really good too by oh, Ralph yeah. Stallworth. There were a few really big differences, like mm-hmm. his partner, like Flip Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. wasn't actually named Flip Zimmerman oh. and was not Jewish. Huh. And there was never the conversation between Ron Solworth and the head of the KKK. You know at the end what I'm talking about? Yes. He's like, are you sure? Yeah. It's like, yes. And you just want to kind of dance on the table right before they hit you with the, now here's today's racism. Yeah. Right? But overall, I really don't, think that any of the additions that were put into the movie like I mean of course they changed things Mm -hmm. you can't add things without Without changing something Mm -hmm. but I felt like they were necessary additions to get this point across that many Americans like you so eloquently eloquently put Jen they're asleep 
We don't see it anymore because either it doesn't directly affect us or we've been blinded by our social media into unfeeling scrollers. And I think the choice to bring it back to the modern moment, like, uh, it makes it so that you can't just be like, oh, wow, so glad we fixed racism, you know? Because I feel like that's so common in any film or any anything about race or racial issues or sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always just like, wow, like, it was so bad in the 70s. Like, thank God we're not like that now. Oh, if only. You know? So I think that that's so important. And so... Just like, I don't know, I'm just thinking about the Oscars, and I'm sorry, I know we're not at the Oscars yet, but I think it's important to talk about in context, Mm -hmm. just that, like, this is a really big deal, because, you know, overall, like, the past years, like, historically, the Oscars, again, asleep, and Um, I think it's just very exciting. They like to erase any ethnicity story that's not white. Mm Mm-hmm. Or even, like, it out there. you know, because, like, it makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> this, yeah. Um, would, you be, would we like to, like, rate it individually? I think Delaney should start. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I bought this movie. It's <laughs> the first movie I've ever bought with my own money. I have it, by the way. I have your copy. <laughs> Good, I it back. Um, and I'm 23. So, 23 in April. Kind of almost there Mm -hmm. but I feel like that says something yeah um I would easily give this movie a (laughs) (laughs) 9.75 because look there were some parts like that asked me to suspend my disbelief too much like there's this really horribly racist cop at the end yeah that ends up getting fired and that just doesn't happen that doesn't happen I think that's what took away from the movie a little bit because they were so unapologetically in your face about this problem and I felt like they backed up a little bit to give you kind of a happy (coughs) ending before hitting you over the head again with Mm -hmm. this is still a problem in America right now and I think that's the only that's genuinely the only reason I would knock any form of points off this movie because I have watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and I cry every time Mm -hmm. and it's horrible (laughs) But it's great. So that's my opinion on the Black Klansman. Yeah. I think I would say a nine. I feel like not only does it, not only is it, it's just a beautiful film as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, definitely deserves all the nominations it got. Yes. Um, and I would say, I think that, like, there's a lot of movies that I love. Um, and I love them for what they are. I love what they make me feel I love you know how beautifully they're made but not every movie I think uh changes changes you and like leaves a lasting impression Mm -hmm. and this one absolutely does so yeah I would say a nine I would say a nine as well um like I just I just loved every bit of it every part of the movie um, I like that it even made me uncomfortable in certain situations, and it, that was the intent, mm-hmm. was to make the viewers uncomfortable and sympathetic with Ron Stallworth and, like, what he's doing and wanting everything to work and, like, work out in the end. And um, that that's what really, like, got me, was that 
not a lot of movies make me uncomfortable or um or even like pull me in like with the character like i can definitely do it if i'm really like okay like i want to put myself in their shoes but this immediately like just made me want to be like ron stallworth's friend and like be there for him like the whole ride Mm -hmm. and that's just what i felt Mm -hmm. so that's why Mm -hmm. i rated that on my opinion it's a masterpiece on Mm -hmm. the same level as like dead poet society yeah dead poet society i would i would yeah i feel like they're right there together just my opinion (laughs) (laughs) okay are we ready to move on to our next movie roma i believe so Okay, so I'll read some things about Roma. Um, Roma is on Netflix. It is a foreign film. And um, I haven't done this for some of the other, um, (coughs) excuse me, uh, movies, but this one got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and 8 out of 10 at IMDb. And um, the release date was November 21st, 2018. Director was Alfonso... Uh, I think it's Quran. Yeah, I'm reading that right. I think so. I'm really bad at names. I'm sorry, guys. You're just going to know that forever. (laughs) Um, And he also was the writer for this film. And, um, yeah. That rating is is huge. Like, that doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, films recently that have gotten, like, similar ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, um, Lady Bird was one of them. We all know how I feel about Lady Bird. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We love that movie. Black Klansman got uh, about the same rating as well um, on Rotten Tomatoes and um, just under Roma on IMDb. Interesting. Um, So uh, I'll I'll read the logline, and then if any of you guys want to read anything else... um, a year in a life of a middle-class families made in Mexico City in the early 1970s. And I feel like that's not the best description of this movie, but, like, we can really get into it in a little bit. This, yeah, I'll go for awards. Okay. So it's already won a Golden Globe for Best Director, mm-hmm. um, Best Motion Picture, and Best Motion Picture Foreign Language. Yep. And it is nominated at the Oscars for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best foreign film, or best feature foreign film, wow. (laughs) Best sound editing, best sound mixing, best production design, best cinematography, and best director. That's like almost the entire Oscars that they're nominated for. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's intense. (sighs) Yeah, I... Appropriate for an intense movie. Yeah, I, um, not only do I, like, really connect with this movie just because, um, like, even, um, I, f- I forgot her name. Oh, I've got to look it up. The Cleo, her character, she literally is the spitting image of some of my family members. So that was already, like, a, like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but um, just, like, starting out, um, you, you can tell that she's a maid just from, like, that opening image. And um, I... So I was like, okay, so she's a maid for this family. And I really like that it was um, filmed in, it was noir, right? Film noir. noir. Yeah, black and white. Yes. I felt like that was perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about it. And I'm not like a huge film noir fan, but this, I feel like, oh, was appropriate. I love film noir. I love the shadows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times, you know, it, 
color is an interesting thing because I think it can definitely be played up and like have a purpose and definitely like contribute to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm thinking of La La Land, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and like the very intentional use of bright colors. Yes. But um, you know, I think in a film like this, that uh, the subject matter in it, I think that it makes a lot of sense to have it in black and white because you know you don't want to detract in any way. Mm-hmm. from what's happening on screen and you don't I just think that it like definitely like sets a tone yes yeah. and I think the black and white spoke louder than any color because mm-hmm. I feel like that at the beginning of the movie you see things in a very much black and white sense and yes. by the end you're seeing the shades of gray in between yeah mm-hmm. definitely as you move along with her life that was beautiful <laughs> yeah that Donnie's oh, just so good with words you know <laughs> like this movie killed me yeah I'm a little sick today and uh I didn't go to my classes and instead I laid myself on my couch you know I plopped down (laughs) in my like fuzzy pajamas yeah and I watched this movie and if I thought that I couldn't breathe before I definitely couldn't breathe by (laughs) the end yeah um I watched this last night and um it was like really late and I just paused the movie and I like cried for like five minutes I couldn't I couldn't help but yeah are we spoiling things um this has been out since um what did I say 2018 basically (laughs) are we saying that if you haven't seen it now if you haven't seen a spoiler free uh, episode PSA this podcast don't (laughs) listen to it if you haven't seen the movie or if you want to listen to it before the movie because some people like to know like what's going on before personally i don't care about spoilers really and yeah i think if you're listening to a podcast about a movie you know you're going to get spoilers so just like kind of bear with it i feel like welcome to real talk (laughs) we're spoiler heavy (laughs) we just gotta get to the real analysis so like it wouldn't be called real talk if if it wasn't real the real things in these movies I hate myself so it's okay. No, but okay. So like, the the scene with the stillbirth, I oh. just watched it, okay. <laughs> and I gotta say, like the fact that there was no editing mm-hmm. and the camera didn't move, and it was just straight, like pay attention to this moment, mm-hmm. and you can't look away because there's nothing to distract you. The cinematography. So raw and organic. The cinematography in this film, like, was so amazing. Especially in those moments where it is so still. Mm -hmm. There's so many moments where it's just master shot. Yes. And they really got me good with those master shots. Because it's great to get creative, but sometimes to just have that one establishing shot. Yeah. And keep it there. And then... You just want to be pulled in more. You want to be closer to these characters, but he just kept it right there. Mm-hmm. And with the stillbirth, I think that one of the really big moments for me was when um, they're at the dinner table and um, the mom is telling their kids that their dad's never coming back. And that... That broke me. I cried like a baby last night during the uh, stillbirth, during that scene, and the very end at the beach. Like, 
it was just a straight like 20 minutes of crying because I just putting yourself in like Cleo's shoes putting yourself in the mom's shoes is it Sophie? I think Sophie oh Sophia's uh, the mom and I think the daughter's name I don't remember. We, we can look so. this Otherwise, up. Otherwise, I just horribly messed it up. Uh, the daughter's name is Sophia, um, but the... I 100% agree with you, though, Letty. But that just... It it was so powerful, I feel like. And I know not a lot of people are into, like, foreign films, but this is a foreign film that needs to be watched. Watch like it before I, the Oscars, watch it after the Oscars. Yeah, and I feel like when people say they don't like foreign films... They don't watch they foreign films. Watched they the haven't watched foreign, foreign films. films, or they haven't been paying attention, because it's just like, what does that mean? That literally just means it's a foreign film. It like, just, that's not a genre. It means so, it's a film that you have to pay attention to. It means mm-hmm. you can't just turn on a movie and walk around yeah. wherever you are. You have to I watch it. Like. I know, I am there's too. There's movies bit, that are meant for that. There are movies, yeah. I, I mean, like so many there's people some movies see for the Oscars. There's subtitles. Like that, but. And they immediately go, well, I don't want to have to read it. And if it's not in English, I'm not going to watch it. See, I have subtitles even when it's in English. I love That's to read. That's right, right? Uh, me, it's just because like, I swear there's something wrong with my ears. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm like, what did she say? <laughs> I just, yeah, it was just. I loved the panning, like, I don't know, uh, the opening, even the opening image, right? When they get into the house, and it's like, you're seeing Cleo go through all the different rooms, and she's, like, putting things away, and, like, she's singing, listening to the radio, like, that was really good, too. Like, I was like, oh, like, I'm in this, I'm here with her, like, and, and then those moments where it's really still, it was important because it's supposed to make you feel awkward it's supposed to make you feel for these characters and so that was if they don't win best cinematographer well going along with that when we're panning through and she's turning off all the lights at the end of the day it made me feel like a child you Mm -hmm. know following your mom when she's turning Mm -hmm. all the lights off checking the doors behind Mm -hmm. her and something about the way the cinematography frames everything really makes you feel like not only that you're there but that you know these people yeah. and that you're so connected with them and invested mm-hmm. before you even learn that the dad doesn't want to come back ever or that she's pregnant mm-hmm. it's very human yes. yeah i think and i think it's something interesting to me is that i appreciate that it doesn't try to do too many things it it you know it's like this story deserves to be told you know, there's nothing particularly special about it, but it still deserves to be told, and we care about her, despite the fact that she's an ordinary person, and I think that, like, that's part of what makes it so impactful, is that how real it is, and how much you, you feel it, and it doesn't do anything gimmicky, yes. it just presents a human story. Exactly. I agree, and a lot of these people once again, because of their skin tone and ethnicity, are so overlooked by modern media and storytelling. So to take one woman and focus on her and her life for a year as a maid in Mexico City, not only was extremely powerful to view as someone who's never seen something like that before, but also I feel like let people know that it doesn't, your time period, your age, Mm -hmm. where you come from, even if you feel your story is common, 
or nothing unique or special. It's worth being told. Like, don't silence yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, um, at a, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I have a personal connection with this film because Cleo is literally, like, someone in my family. Like, the experience she's going through is, could be my aunt. I have, I have an aunt, and she is a maid. She's cleaned houses here for people here, and the things she goes through and the way she acts is the same way that my aunt acts. And so to see, like, how, see another person, it was almost like if someone in my family was telling this story. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what really, like, hit home for me is, like, the way Clay was living her life I know someone who is living their life the exact same way. Being a maid or just doing these jobs that people don't want to do. And, but being a part of this family and the family treating her like she is family. Like my, my family personally, um, you know, like I, my, my grandparents are from Mexico and they went through this here in America so, like, my, my grandpa is a landscaper, and um, he landscapes for rich white people in the Bay Area. And he, they treat him like a part of the family. And you know how hard that is to find? It is extremely hard, especially starting a lot longer and in a different time period. Today, it's a little bit easier. I feel like a lot more people are better at being... Um, appreciative but there are a lot of people who aren't but I know that um the love that that family has for Cleo like that's the same love I see that my my grandpa's like clients have for him like he comes in landscapes for them I remember one like once I went with him and um I was just there I wasn't doing anything important (laughs) but um they were just so nice and like good people and that was just really important to see, I feel like. Yes. It's, I wish it was less rare than it is. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in the Bay Area, and I was someone who didn't grow up, or grew up, I guess, below the poverty line in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. You live with a lot of the people, like, in the low-income housing, with a lot of the people that do the uh, landscaping and mm-hmm. the maid work, and you see the struggles and I remember, like, being babysat by my next-door neighbor and going with her to some of her, um, jobs which she would clean houses and they were so unbelievably horrible to her yeah so I loved seeing this side of a family united not just by blood but by trauma and tragedy and growing review time oh yeah I feel like yes um let's see does anybody want to read? I, I'll read it. I'll read one. Um, it says, this one is from uh, The Wrap. And it says, Alfonso Cuaron has created a heartfelt masterpiece of mood and nostalgia. Nostal- yeah, nostalgia. <laughs> one that reminds us that his gifts as a storyteller and an interpreter of, a, of the human experience are not dictated by scale of production. I feel like that's really important because 
This movie's on Netflix. If you have a Netflix account, if you have a friend who has a Netflix account, you can watch this movie for almost nothing. And it's like eleven ninety nine a month. What thirteen ninety nine a month now? So maybe Netflix stop raising your prices. If oh you're listening. yeah, I'm very passionate about that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm lucky enough. Like, I didn't get net. Uh, I mean, like, I didn't get Netflix until um, right before I started college. So my family, like, we have like family plans. So like now that I'm helps. on it. <laughs> but like, I never, I never had Netflix until like maybe like right before I started college. And so, it was, it was, like, awesome to get that and to be able to... There wasn't as many great movies on Netflix when I first got it, but I feel like now that they're putting out movies, like, you know, on this podcast, we're probably going to review a lot of different things from Netflix because not only is it accessible to everyone who has a Netflix account, which is a pretty decent number, I feel like, of people, but also, like, you pay that month, monthly fee to, like, get thousands of things to watch mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's just so important that it's on Netflix and it's nominated for an Oscar yeah I think also like what is touched on in this review mm-hmm. is that um you know not dictated by a scale of production that's such an important part of filmmaking is the production budget Um, And if you don't have those resources, you can't get your story told. I don't know the the background of this movie and, like, you know, how it was made and what that budget was, but obviously very low budget compared to a lot of films that are up for Oscars or um, have been, like, you know, seen by the public. Um, And so I think that just goes to show you, like, you know, I think film often gets, like, you know, things we consider film with a capital F versus, like, a movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, is considered elitist. And, you know, um, only a certain people deserve to have their story told. I think that this is really inspiring in that, you know, we don't, we don't need special effects. We don't need... It's literally just in a reflection of an authentic human experience yes. and I think that's really powerful if we had had like Michael Bay explosions oh yeah I mean of course that would knock it up a million points <laughs> no, but, but uh, <laughs> seriously I, I genuinely agree with you I loved that it didn't feel overly manipulated and produced because it just made it so much more authentic and organic and hard it made it harder to consume in a way mm-hmm. just because you could really feel what was going on yeah, I feel like the authenticity of it, the, not everyone's going to connect with Roma the way I do, but I feel like it really draws someone who doesn't connect that way in. I agree. Okay. okay. Um, should I read the, the last one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is from the Wall Street Journal. There's no other way to say it than to say it. Roma is one of the best movies I've ever seen, and one of the most moving. If Norma Desmond had been able to see it, she wouldn't have worried about the pictures getting small. I just like that to Norma Desmond. (laughs) That's why I chose this one. I thought so. Norma Desmond was a... an actress in early films. Like, um, like non-talk, like, it was, (laughs) it was, she was a huge actress in, um, what's it, um, 
They were silent films. She's in, um, I forgot what other movie. That, I, that's not what we're talking about right now. But, um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. that uh, was an explanation for me because my face. It's okay. I only know about this because one of my professors. Um, Is it Lassard? Yes. Shout I, out I, to love John Lassard. I love John If you ever listen to this, John Lassard, um, I miss you, you and I loved the class I had with you, everyone. Aesthetics like, of film changed my life. Literally, that's the reason why Jen and I are friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That's where we yes. met. And I got to talk about Jaws to a captive audience for oh, like yes. 20 minutes. I took a different so class. I got to talk about the love of my life, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, it was great. Oh, I was supposed queen. to take aesthetics of film, but they didn't have it that semester. So I took, um, it was called uh, Major Filmmakers, but it was really cinema I was supposed in to the take city. That. Yeah, Delaney said she was going to take it with me, Sorry. and then she did it. <gasps> I'm taking creative writing poetry this semester It's okay. Instead. Oh, but that's that, a good class, But that class too. was great because we really got to dive into the multiple different um, films and, like, the different eras, I guess. Yeah. And um, when we were on Film Noir, like, that was, that was really, that was really good to, like, see those movies. But... Um, I feel like Norma Desmond would approve of this movie. That's all we want. <laughs> so this might be weird to say, but I feel like the Wall Street Journal review really kind of mood matched this movie. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I love there's no matching. other way to say it than to just say it. Yes. I feel like that's exactly what this movie did. Yeah. Like, going back to our first review, there was no giant production. There was no Michael Bay explosions. It was a camera. It reminds, it's like, oh god, this is gonna sound so pretentious, but Already? it's like an Ezra Pound <laughs> poem almost. Oh my god. It's like, explained for those who don't read poetry. You did so, not prepare me for <laughs> it was quite So basically, it's just like um, imagist, right? That's what I'm mm-hmm. what I'm going for. It's a it's a movement in poet, poetry that's just like, describe the thing in the most like real way you can. So it's yeah. like, you know, there's there's not subtext there's not um metaphor it's painting a picture in the person's head and just presenting an image and i think that's what this movie does it presents multiple images but beautiful images and you know just presents them as as authentically as possible and yeah it's interesting yeah that was the best it's interesting that we're talking about these two films in contrast to each other, because I feel yeah. like it's very, very different. I think they almost do, like, opposite things mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. Black Klansman has so many layers, and oh, I love so films like that. Yeah. It's so elaborate. It's, like, lots of production, right? Mm-hmm. And then this one is very opposite, but I think that's a good thing, and I think that yes. both of them have a lot of value. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It's cool to see them side by side. No, I agree, especially because this one, I don't know, to me this one really just felt like a camera following this woman around, documenting her life. Yeah. yeah. And I think that brought me personally so much more closer to her and the family. Hmm. I want to rate it. Okay, let's rate it. it. <laughs> Go ahead, Lenny. So I think everyone's going to come for me because, like, I give, like, <laughs> really high ratings for movies, but it's just because I really like we film and I appreciate... Movie. What? We haven't reviewed a bad movie yet. Oh, I feel like I, I think will. I, I think it's because I choose oh, only no. good movies. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say which one, but I think there's one that I'm gonna give a bad review in the future. Okay. 
Okay. We have a list of things. Wait, going off of bad movies, did y'all hear that there might be another Tommy Wiseau movie called, like, The Big Shark or something? Oh. Yo, I'm here for it. I like watching bad movies because it's, like, really fun to laugh. Yes. Okay, anyway, back to our ratings. So everyone's going to come for me just because I've given a nine to the past two movies, but I truly believe in these and what they do and what they say. And when I feel like a movie does something powerful, like, I'm going to give it as high as a rating as I feel. I don't care. Um, You know, there will be other movies when we talk about the Oscars that probably won't have that high of a rating because I've watched almost all of the movies for that. But that's, yeah, that's a T for that. But, um, yeah, I give this a 9 out of 10. I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 because 10 out of 10, in my opinion, is I'd watch that movie a thousand times and, like, is like, that like if I only had one movie yeah, to watch you, for the rest yeah, of my life, yeah. would die for and this like, film. And like, I have a film that's, like a I have a film that's labeled that, and we're never gonna review it because it's so old, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Can I just say a thing though? I feel like you're so bad at this. <laughs> it's okay. I really like how organic our conversations are. Yeah, so. me too. I just okay. So I'm gonna give the whole like art is up to your own interpretation spiel because I feel like there's a lot of films that are amazing films and like are very smart and very engaging and everything but a lot of my favorite films um are not 10 out of 10s probably not even 8s out of 10s I like a lot of films that are not perfect in any way and don't necessarily do anything super important but I connected with them and I love them you know, sorry, that this seems like off topic, but I'm basically yeah, I'm just saying it's very, very difficult for me to give films ratings because uh, it's just there's well, so it's many because elements. there's so many different layers to a movie. Yeah. You can give the screenplay a ten, but then like the production could be something different. Mm-hmm. I feel like so. a prime example for this is Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Will oh. I watch it over and over again? Yeah. Is it a good film? Eh. I feel like it is hard to give a definite 100% like number and I think it we probably will never give a 10 out of 10 yeah. in this I want to apologize to Jen for saying that I like Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley really <laughs> no oh my god I love Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley I've I, never seen I, Pride I have, and Prejudice this is a conversation for another day <laughs> I could just talk about Jane Austen adaptations for for days but like I love that film because it's it's romantic and as another film that a lot of people have issues with that I adore is La La Land. Oh, and too. Ryan Gosling says, why do you say romantic like it's a dirty oh word? God, and that's one of my favorite line. lines in a movie ever. And that's how I feel about Pride and Prejudice with Karen oh, okay I wrote a whole paper on La La Land last semester. Oh, <laughs> and I watched La La Land nine times to write that. And so I feel like I'm on the same level as Jen now. Freaking love it. <laughs> Oh. Wow, I'm so far behind. But um, you. Oh, my so rating for Roma? <laughs> oh, yeah, back on uh, from that back tangent. Um, okay. I think I would give it an 8. Mm-hmm. I mm, I still stand by everything I said about it, but I definitely feel like uh, it's, it's so hard to rate movies. But I think I would rate Black Klansman higher. But Roma is very beautiful. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with Jen and go with the eight. And I mean, it did something that's hard to do for me, which is it made me so uncomfortable with 
so much that was going on with it that I had no other choice but to watch. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I absolutely adored that came from it. And I don't dislike necessarily anything about it. I just, same as Jen, I just would rate Black Klansman higher. Mm -hmm. Not that we're comparing the two. Not yeah, that we're comparing not them, what this episode is about. Yeah. Not so, in my opinion, that's not really something that's possible to do since mm -hmm. while they both take place in the 1970s, uh, they're so drastically different. Mm -hmm, and yeah. I really don't feel like you could give any of them a fair advantage or a really like fair play if you were comparing them. That's the end of this episode. Episode two. Yeah. Woo, we did it. <laughs> so, um, like I said, you guys should all follow our Instagram, Real Talk PTV, R E E L Talk PTV on yes, Instagram. <laughs> and um, if you haven't listened to the last episode, we did it on Spider Man to the Spider Verse. It's it a lot a of fun. One. We had our friend Livy on to talk about it. We love her. And, um, our next episode for next week is going to be our pre-Oscars thoughts. So we're going to talk all things Oscars, and I can't wait to do it. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. For it's us. It's going to be a fun Maybe, maybe Hopefully time. for you, too. I hope for you guys. All right. I'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>